0: When Gary approached me about speaking about a spirit-filled church, there were so many passages that immediately pop into the mind, particularly Acts 2 and Acts 4 and, and several other passages in Acts, or even the prophecy of Joel. But right from the very beginning, I was convinced that it wasn't to be any of those chapters which record how the Spirit came upon the church and created the church by its very presence. But instead, it was to be this passage from the book of Revelation. This is the passage that precedes the letters to the churches, which is the bit of Revelation we all like preaching on because it's easier than the rest of it. But it's a passage which gives the beginning of the vision That has inspired the writer and uh, is actually at the very heart of what it is to be church. So, our reading is in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9. You find it on page 1233 or on the screen. And I'll read it from the screen because it's a different version than the one I've got in front of me. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, And his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. and Behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen. What is now, and what will take place later? The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and of the seven golden lampstands, is this the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. But the seven lampstands are the seven churches. To the church in Ephesus, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you you have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Long years ago, I suspect near to 30 I got an assistant minister when I was minister in Bally Gilbert. I hadn't had one. I'd had part-timers. I'd had summer assistants, but I got an assistant minister. Some of you will know him, David Stanfield. And when he was there a little while, he was preaching one Sunday morning, and he said something that made me sit up. And uh, he said, you know, Bally Gilbert is renowned all through the country for its art exhibitions and its cookbooks, And it's friendly welcome, but how far are we renowned for our spirituality? I remember as a minister sitting up and saying, How dare you? Inside my heart. And then the Lord said to me, But he's right, Derek. He's right, Derek. You see, churches can have wonderful reputations for all sorts of things. Fisherwick are just about to start a building project. I think before I retired, which is maybe about eight years ago, we came and looked at your building because we recognized you'd done imaginative and wonderful things to create the kind of building that you needed for the the next period of time. You can have a reputation for having good buildings. You can have a reputation for having good worship. You can have a reputation for all sorts of things. But if we're to be a Spirit-filled church, John is starting to write to seven churches, and he'll set out for each one of them what it is that is good and what it is that is bad. But he doesn't start there. He starts by saying, This is all about your relationship with Jesus. Is Jesus the very heart of your church? The picture we see in Revelation chapter 1 is not new in many ways. It has so many things that are picked from the first chapter of Ezekiel, where Ezekiel has that fabulous, fabulous, amazing, incredible picture of God seated on a throne and one like the Son of Man. There's the phrase again. The church begins with an encounter with Jesus. Peter is writing to churches that have existed already for several decades. He's not writing at the beginning of a church, he's writing to churches that already exist. And he's reminding them of of the reason they exist. Right in the center of each church is a lampstand. And that lampstand is the indication of the presence of God in the center. Now, we could spend all morning going through all the ones. I want to look at Ephesus for a moment. Because, you see, Ephesus has done so many things right For a start, they're doctrinally good. They know what's true and they know what's false. They've got their theology straight. They're orthodox. They're all the things that you ought to be as a good church. But Peter's saying, you know, I'm commending you for that. That's good. And then he says, And you've stuck at it. You've got good history. There's plenty of evidence that you've kept going when the things got pretty rough. There have been plenty of bumps along the road, and we know nothing of the kind of bumps that those churches had. but you've persevered. You can imagine this being read to the church in Ephesus and them saying, sorry, didn't mean to do the microphone. The first couple of lines, they're they're really feeling quite good about themselves. But I have this against you. He's basically saying you've fallen out of love with Jesus. It's become the thing you do. You stick at it because that's what you do. Not because you're in love anymore. I don't know whether you follow the archers. Some of you must probably. But... Shula has just told her husband she doesn't love him anymore and he's quite shocked because it seems to have come totally out of the blue. He wants explanations as to why she's moving out and going to live in the bull and she has no explanation except, I don't love you anymore. But what about all the things we've done? What about how we've come through this and done that? It just struck me that she, he's able to recite to her all the difficulties they've come through, all the things they've done, and how they've done everything right. And it sounds so like the church in Ephesus in this particular instance. They're doing everything right. And they've persevered. But the fallen out of love The Spirit of God is attracted when we love Him. One of the things that we need to remember about the Spirit of God is it's not looking for attention to Himself. The Spirit of God is there to show us Jesus. The Spirit of God is there to attract us to Jesus. It's there to call us to fall in love with Jesus. It was just wonderful to hear Johnny earlier because it was evident in every word he said that what drives him and the people who are working with him is a love for Jesus. Jesus. If we want to be a spirit-filled church, we need every single day to fall in love again with Jesus, and we do that by looking at Him in all His glory. There's an old, old hymn that we sometimes still sing, Tell Me the Old, Old Story of Unseen Things Above of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. Tell me the story often, for I forget so soon the early dew of morning has passed away at noon. Tell me the story simply. It goes on and on. The danger is that we sometimes think such is far too simple. But at its very heart, the gospel is simple. God is passionately in love with you. And He wants you to be passionately in love with Him. Because where that passion is, God is. the Old Testament, it speaks, and it speaks of a temple where someone has written the word Ichabod, meaning the glory has departed. When I went to Bally Gilbert in the very earliest of days, Jimmy Faulkner, who was the father of Brian Faulkner, who was at that time the chief of an executive in the Sunningdale agreement, you know, the one we had before, the one we had before, the one we had. Jimmy was a canny sort of old businessman. He had always wanted to make his son prime minister, but he would lots of of what I'd call native wisdom. He was talking about one particular church, and... uh, he looked at me and he says, Derek, he says it's dead, but it hasn't the decency to stiffen. <laughs> Life comes from love. Everything we read about how human beings grow tells us, yes, they need food, yes, they need clothes, yes, they need heat, but how they grow to be fully mature and wonderful people is to be loved. Give someone all the food and all the clothes and all the riches and all the things they need, iPads and iPods and anything I, but don't give them love and you'll grow a stunted, sad person. God knew that. He knew that the one thing the world needed was to know it was loved. And a Spirit-filled church knows it is loved and loves. That's when the lamps stand Glows. That's when the lampstand glows. I only want to talk about one other church. It's the church at Philadelphia. No, not the one in America, the one in the Central Asia, where the name came from. It means love of brothers, by the way, love of brothers and sisters. And what has he against the church in Philadelphia? He says, lots of good things. I know your works. I've set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power. but you've kept my word. It's a fascinating phrase, is it not? Here's a church that treasures the word of God. They've kept his word. They love the scripture. And that is a mark of a true church. Church. but they have little power. A bishop of my acquaintance was visiting churches as he does. In presbyteries. we used to have visitations. Now we have consultations. No doubt in a few years' time, we'll think of another word for them, but basically it means it's an inspection like anybody else's. The bishop does the same thing around his parishes, and he was visiting in a particular parish which had a reputation for its scriptural integrity and its evangelical fervor. And so he said, what's the most important thing for this church? And they said, our most important thing is evangelism. We believe in evangelism. And he says, well, tell me the story of someone who has come to faith in the last year, there was a bit of a silence for a while. And he says, well, three years. And there was still a silence. He says, later in the same week, he went into a house, into a church that did not have that kind of a reputation. And as he went through the door, the caretaker, who was an elderly lady, ran over and says, Bishop, Bishop, let me tell you, I want to tell you about the gang leader who came to faith last night. We need the Scripture because the Scripture keeps us in the truth. We need the Scripture because we need to know that each one of us needs salvation through Christ. We need the Scripture because it tells us how to live. But we need the Spirit so that the Scripture and the Word and God himself can have power. People coming to faith, lives being changed, are the work of the Spirit of God who brings the Scripture to us in life. He will teach you everything that I have told you. He will bring all things to mind, Jesus said. And where do we find it? We turn again to the vision of Peter, the vision of John. I've called him Peter twice now. The vision of Joel. We look to Jesus. Because he is the living word, whom the Spirit brings to our hearts. I could talk to you about the church in Laodicea. Its problem was it was neither hot nor cold. It was just lukewarm. And the truth is God hates lukewarm, half-hearted. If you're going to do anything, do it with all your might. Don't sort of love God don't sort of belong don't sort of anything because when you truly love god there is a passion in your heart for him and for the world and the lampstand shines brightly that goes God takes the lampstand away church doesn't close the activities don't stop he just takes it and puts it down the road somewhere else so let us come to Jesus a spirit filled church begins with Jesus because it's his spirit. Can we bow our heads? It might be two weeks ago, it might be 50 years ago, you invited Jesus to be part of your life. It's wonderful to hear the stories of how we first came to faith. But what we really want to know is are you in love with him now? Are you still in love with your Lord and seeking him? Holy Spirit of God, come upon these, your people. Fill us once more this day with the Spirit of Jesus, that in us may come a love for you that is fresh and new, like once it was and now can be. Come, Holy Spirit. Give me Jesus. Give us Jesus of whom you speak. each of our hearts. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Move among us with holy power. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Lord Jesus Christ, set your lampstand in the midst of this church and in the midst of each of our hearts. Rekindle in us passion for you and for your people and the world. Fill us this day living spirit of God in Jesus name we pray